Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, a program provided by Living Stream Ministry and featuring the ministry of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. These two were faithful slaves of the Lord during their entire Christian lives and have become patterns to us of ones that counted all things lost on account of Christ. Witness Lee completed his most comprehensive work called the Life Study of the Bible just before going to be with the Lord in 1997. This program combines short excerpts from his original speaking, along with some of our own comments and fellowship. And as always, we'd like to hear from you with your thoughts or answer any questions that might arise while you're listening. We'll repeat this contact information at the end of the program, but if you have a pen right now, jot down our toll-free number, which is 888-LIFE-STUDY, 888-543-3788. Or you can reach us by email to radio at lsm.org. Now, let's join today's program. Repent, for the kingdom of the heavens has drawn near. This was the voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths. So begins the ministry of John the Baptist. As we come to the Life Study of Matthew once again in our Life Study of the Bible program, and Dennis Agashi has joined us. Dennis, we have our first program today dealing with John the Baptist, and this is one that I think nearly everyone has heard of. But probably there is not uh, that much that's understood about him and his ministry, is there? That's correct. John the Baptist is familiar, I think, in a general way to everyone, but his specific function in the New Testament is maybe not so well understood. Well, we hope that uh, through the course of this program and a few others that will follow that uh will change for all of us. I think there's a, a lot of light in store for all of us and, and our listeners as well as we get into it in this life study of the book of Matthew. He is the first striking figure in one sense in the New Testament, even appearing on the scene before the Lord Jesus. And he's interesting to look at for a lot of obvious reasons. He was very unorthodox in his appearance and his manner. And I think a lot is made of these characteristics and we will look at them in their proper context. They are part of the picture here. But what was his real function, Dennis, as the New Testament economy was first being introduced? His real function in the New Testament is seen as a recommender of the Lord Jesus. Isaiah brings out the prophecy, which you read in verse 3 of Matthew 3, that John was a preparer, he was a recommender of the coming Christ. And um, this function of John, we can see, uh, has a factor, of course, with John himself, but it also relates to us. I believe we will see in the program that today we can also be the real John the Baptist recommending Christ, as John recommended Christ uh, 2,000 years ago. Dennis, let's begin today. Uh, of course, we alluded to these a couple of these verses in the introduction here, but let's uh, let's read this whole short narrative at the beginning of Matthew chapter three. It says, "Now in those days, John the Baptist appeared preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of the heavens is drawn near. For this is he who was spoken of through Isaiah the prophet, saying, A voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make straight his paths." Now this John had his garment of camel's hair and a leather girdle around his loins, and his food was locusts and wild honey. At that time Jerusalem and all Judea 
and all the surrounding region of the Jordan went out to him. He was an attractive figure. At first uh, glance, it must seem that it's because of these outward things, Dennis, but I think we're going to see there's more to John the Baptist than just that. That's true. And this is why Brotherly's ministry, I think we all treasure and love, because he does bring out not just the superficial things, but the intrinsic significance of the meaning of the Bible. Well, let's join Witness Lee for this first portion today. The priesthood is mainly to bring people to God, and the kingship is mainly to bring God to people. The kings are the ones who uh, represent God, uh, bringing God to people. The priesthood brings people to God, and the kingship uh, brings God to people. And by this traffic, going and coming, people and God, God and people. In other words, men and God, God and man, will have a real fellowship, a real communication. Eventually, I would say again, man and God, God and man, could be one. This is priesthood and the kingship. Now, if you would spend a little time to look into the whole testament, the first ministry you have there is the priesthood. The priesthood always brings man to God. Then following the priesthood, you have the kingship. Before First Samuel, all the books are the books on priesthood. Then from First Samuel, starting from David, all the books are on kingship. Now, you could have a good picture. In First Samuel, you have Samuel representing the priesthood. Then you have David representing the kingship. Who was Samuel? A priest. And who was David? A king. And the priesthood always introduces the king. Samuel introduced King David. Don't forget this. Priesthood always introduces kings. Today, it is the same. Dennis, this is a good uh, picture, a good illustration of Samuel and David there together priest introducing the king, and of course uh, we're seeing in the New Testament this picture, the reality of it actually uh, being manifested. These two things, the priesthood and kingship, were quite closely related in the Old Testament. A little later on we're going to see how these two ministries are really worked out in the New Testament, but first let's talk a little bit about the function, the genuine function of the priesthood and the kingship and how they relate one to another. The priesthood uh, is not, or the kingship, is not just a matter of relics, liturgy, these kind of things. Uh, the real meaning of a priest and the real meaning of a king, I believe our brother has brought out, a priest is one who brings man to God, and a king is one who brings God to man. I believe this touches the depths and the real meaning of this word priest and king. Of course, today, 
king is not so much in our vocabulary, it's not with our culture. A priest, more people are familiar with that. When we think of a priest, we may think of a certain image, a certain type of person. But in the New Testament, the real meaning of a priest is one who brings man to God. A priest is one who introduces people to the living reality of Christ himself. The function of a priest causes man and God, God and man to be one. This is really, I think, the real meaning of our brother's word here as seen in Matthew chapter 3. Yeah, it's um, quite an interesting picture. Um, what we have is, we read these verses, it says, uh, At that time, Jerusalem, Judea, and all the surrounding region of the Jordan went out to him. So there was something drawing people first to the recommender, the priest. But then he carried out his function, as you've identified here, taking those ones who had been first attracted or drawn to him and bringing them to the king. That's correct, yes. John's function was a recommender. As you said, Chris, people were attracted to him. So many came to him, but then eventually he brought them or he took them or he recommended them to the Lord himself. Something struck me as we were talking here. Of course, we just completed the life study of Exodus that we were in for many, many months, and we saw in Exodus where the priesthood of the Old Testament was really initiated and all of the things regarding it were prescribed that the reality of the priesthood in the Old Testament was also Christ. So it seems that he is occupying ultimately a, a dual role, isn't he? You can see the centrality and universality of Christ. Christ is just shining forth, radiating through the entire Old and New Testament, as we saw in the life studies of Exodus. Then here in Matthew, we can see that even though John is the recommender, uh, and he recommends people to Christ, we can see the reality, according to the book of Hebrews, Christ is the real heavenly high priest, and he's also the king. So he actually is God coming to man, and man coming to God. He's the reality of being the priest and the king. Actually, if you consider Chris, in incarnation, God came to man. But in resurrection, Christ brought man into God. You can see the function here through his process of incarnation and resurrection. He came to man, and eventually he brought man into God. So just through his process, we can see his function here as a priest and as a king. That's really wonderful. Dennis, let's go back to Witness Lee. If you do know history, you could realize 20 centuries ago, when John the Baptist was born, in Jerusalem, there were just these two things, religion and culture. History tells us the Hebrew religion and the Greek and Roman culture. Both of these two things were there in Jerusalem. But John didn't stay in Jerusalem. He left Jerusalem and he came out of the city and he went to the wilderness where there was no religion, there was no culture, everything was natural. He was there bringing people to God, introducing the king who represents God to the people. And this was a strong indication that the age by that time was changed. It was changed from the old dispensation to the new. It was changed from the dispensation of shadows, figures, to the dispensation of reality. And he standing there shouting, just testified 
that he was a real priest. And those priests wearing the priest's robe, eating the priest's food, staying in the priest's building, burning the incense, uh, doing the priestly function, they never brought anyone to God. But this John, the world John, and cultural John, he was there bringing hundreds of people to God. And he was there also introducing the king to the people. Now, when this king was introduced to people, and the people were really brought back to God, I tell you, there is a kingdom. Because, number one, you have the king there. And number two, you have the people there. When the king is with the people, I tell you, that is what? The kingdom. Now, we all must see this one thing clearly, that the New Testament starts with the genuine, real priesthood to introduce the genuine and real kingship. And here you do have a genuine priest introducing the genuine king. And this will usher the kingdom in. When John came and stood there in the wilderness, he was a great magnet. You know, a piece of magnet standing there, and this just draws all the pieces into this great magnet. So here the Bible says the people in Jerusalem and Judea all went to him. He did have the joint power. Well, Dennis, this is really marvelous. What actually brings in the kingdom is not the proper religion or the temple or even the activity of a religious class that calls themselves priests, but what ushers the kingdom in in this age is being introduced to the king. This is really a picture of the real priesthood and the kingship according to the New Testament economy, isn't it? That's correct. And I believe, Chris, the erroneous concept today of the kingdoms, when we think of Christ's kingdom, we think of something that's far away, uh, that's maybe in another location. Uh, there's all kinds of things that kind of are conjured up by us. We can see here in a very simple way that if Christ is not there in reality, we really don't have the reality of the kingdom. I think Brotherly made it very simple. When John the Baptist introduced and recommended Christ, and when this Christ came to the people, you have the king and you have the people, and that equals the kingdom. Very simple, yet so profound. Dennis, contrast the activity of the so-called priesthood going on at that time in the temple with what was happening out in the wilderness of Judea. It must have been amazing, I think, even to John the Baptist to see that in the city of Jerusalem there, there were the tribe of Levi as the descendants of the real priest, according to God, yet they were there just in an old dispensation. In other words, John the Baptist was in the wilderness in a very unorthodox way, yet who was bringing more people to God in reality? In reality, John the Baptist was attracting people, yet he recommended, he led them to Christ the King himself. Where you have the picture of the temple there in the city of Jerusalem with so many priests there, yet they weren't doing anything to recommend Christ as the real king. So you can see the real contrast here at that particular time. I think this is a, a very good illustration 
of perhaps the danger that religion presents is that many times what religion brings you to is right. more religion yes. rather than to the person that should be behind. That's correct, Chris. I agree with that. I, and I also like what Brother Lee said at the opening statement there in this section is that when John the Baptist came on the scene, it was the change of age. Yeah. The age of the old dispensation was over. The Lord came in to do something new. John the Baptist was a preparation. He was a voice. He was a, a recommender. He was an announcer, announcing that the age was changing. God was doing something new. Now, all the Old Testament pictures now is seen and now is embodied in this person, Jesus Christ. This is why there was such a large transition, a large change of age, a large change of dispensation from the shadows to the reality who was just Christ himself. Really something that when the Lord was uh, was at the point of initiating his ministry, the one he came to was this wild person out in the wilderness. He didn't go to the high priest in the temple. That's correct. That's correct. The age was changing. Dennis, uh, a bit ago, we referred to verse 5 in Matthew 3. Let me read it again. It's very short. At that time, Jerusalem and all Judea and all the surrounding region of the Jordan went out to him. There was something unique and attractive about this person, John the Baptist, and that's what we want to look at in our last section. Really a, a good point, I think, to close our program today. Let's go back once again to Witness Lee. Every time, if there was a prevailing revival, there was always something in the wilderness. Not in the holy thing, not in the holy temple, but in the word of man. I just can tell you, because I got to know quite well, two centuries ago, when George Hellville and the two Wesleys, John Wesley and Charles Wesley, and those young evangelists were raised up Mostly, they did the preaching work. Really, sometimes, John Wesley did a lot on the street corner. And George Whitfield, I read through his biography, he did his preaching many, many times, really, at the foothill, in the wilderness. But, by that time, the Church of England had some holy regulations that people shouldn't expound the holy word outside the sanctuary. If you are going to teach to preach any verse from the Holy Bible, you have to do it in the sanctuary. But God raised up George Whitford and John Wesley doing their preaching outside the sanctuary. They did it on the street corners. They did it right outside the city in the wilderness. Today, probably, the principle would be the same. But I don't mean you have to uh, just copy John uh, to put a lot of hair upon you. I don't mean that. But I do mean, don't go the religious way. Don't go the cultural way. You have to go away full of the presence of God. Not in the holy city, not in the holy temple, but in a place without religion, without culture, 
for full of the presence of God. Now, Dennis, John the Baptist surely was one who was outside of religion and culture. But that wasn't the factor that I think attracted people to him. And as we have been talking, uh, superficially it may seem so. But what else was there, Dennis, that he had in common with these others that uh, Witness Lee just referred to that came later, much later? Of course, the Wesleys, John and Charles and uh, George Whitfield and, and many others. Brother Lee brought out the point that even though they were outside of culture, there was, quote, quote, wild in those days, and you could even consider them revolutionaries at that time. Yet that wasn't their main function, their main drawing power. The main attraction was God's presence. They created an appetite in man for God. I think this is the key point, and what separates the difference between just being in a religion. Many times, if we just come to something religious, we don't have an appetite for Christ. But if we have, as the real priest today, God's full presence, then in others, an appetite for Christ will be created. And I think, Chris, this is our experience as we have touched the ministry today. The appetite for Christ is really there. And I think this is a key point here, Chris. Dennis, I really like the way you phrase this. Those who have God's presence have the effect of increasing the appetite that those around them have for God. Can we touch briefly, before we conclude today, the phrase we talked about in verse 3. I'd like to come back to it for just a moment. This was the voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord and make straight his paths. What is that referring to, Dennis? Of course, this is John the Baptist's experience of he was the voice of one crying in the wilderness according to the prophecy in Isaiah. However, we can see that we also today can be the New Testament recommenders of Christ. And our function as New Testament recommenders is really to be a voice crying in the wilderness. As John had cried, repent, for the kingdom of the heavens is near. We hope that through our speaking of the gospel to others, that people would repent to have a change, not of a just a resolution, personal resolution, but have a change in mind, have a change in heart, have a change even in life pursuit, and a change in purpose. This is the real result of repentance. Then we can see on in verse 3 that as a recommender of Christ, man's heart today is quite crooked. As a recommender of Christ, we can speak the gospel, we can speak the words of the Lord, and this ultimately does something in man's heart which causes the paths in man's heart to become straight. When the paths within man's heart become straight, then Christ has a way to come into man. And I believe, Chris, in our experience in speaking the gospel to others, we have seen as we spoke initially to somebody, maybe their hearts didn't receive the Lord, they was quite crooked. After a period of time, through the speaking of the word, their hearts became straight and Christ was able to come into them. Dennis, this is, I think, the characteristic of a real seeker. Uh, there's a sense when you draw near someone like this, full of God's presence, right. that the crooked things within your being are about to get straightened, but nonetheless, there's the attraction, and we find our precious, dear Lord Jesus, the real king at the end of this process. That's correct, Chris. This is really quite marvelous. It is wonderful. Yeah. Dennis, I really appreciate having you uh, take the time out to come by and be with us today. Aren't these good 
these programs, these messages, these life studies? They really are, Chris. I, I mean, I was so happy with Exodus, but now I'm quite excited about Matthew. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I also feel the same. Each time we finish a book, it's like uh, you feel like you're losing a, a dear brother or, or a family member. Right, right. But uh, then we come to the next one, and uh, that void is quickly filled. Right. We uh, will continue tomorrow and Friday on this same topic of John the Baptist and uh, this ministry that ushered in a new age. We hope that you'll join us. We also hope that you'll contact us about getting these printed volumes. They're just tremendous. The Life Study of Matthew on the gospel of the kingdom is one that uh, really should be in the library of any genuine seeker and lover of God's word. Uh, You can uh, find out about that or just talk with us, visit with us, and let us know your uh, impressions, any questions you might have. Uh, We've made a toll-free number available for you. It's 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. That's 888-543-3788. And our mailing address is Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814 and while you're jotting things down please sure and take down our email address it's simply this radio at lsm.org and as I mentioned we'll return tomorrow with another live study from the book of Matthew please join us then for Dennis Agashi today I'm Chris Wilde thank you very much for listening Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, produced by Living Stream Ministry. Living Stream Ministry is dedicated to the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China during the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Watchman Nee sent Witness Lee to carry out this ministry in Taiwan. Later, the Lord led him to the United States and eventually to the rest of the world before he went to be with the Lord in 1997. Living Stream Ministry now has hundreds of titles by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee available in English, plus many in more than 50 other languages. To find out more about Living Stream and all that we offer, visit our website, lsm.org. You can also reach us toll-free at 1-888-543-3788 or email us, radio at lsm.org. Thanks for listening.